Father, here tonight, we submit ourselves, ourselves to, to the sovereign, providential grace that you have called us here to this place here in Fairfield, to a city that many have called a forgotten city. But we believe in your eyes and before all heaven and earth, it is not a city that you have forgotten. The world, the political money makers, they may have, but you have not. And so therefore you've sent us here. You've called us from many pathways and byways and highways to be here in this city called Fairfield, to bring the truth of your gospel to a city where you are calling men and women, children, families to yourself. And all of this is for your glory and for your honor. And now, Father, we have reached a tenure here in our church time in this city where we have embarked upon where you are now summoning leaders, elders and deacons. And you give us the scriptures and the qualifications that these men should exemplify. And I pray, Father, for the young men and those who are on looking and those who are thinking of joining. I pray that you would give us more than what we need. And that you will continue to add to your church as you see fit. I pray now, Lord, that you would move me out of the way. Move me out of the way, Lord. Have your way. Speak through me. Clear my throat. Clear my mind. Holy Spirit, empower me to preach this sermon here tonight that would call us from the safety of comfort and shorelines of where we may be residing and that we all would see as we sing this song as you gave yourself to us that we and likewise would give ourselves to you so that you can use us in any way you so desire. Lord, that's our desire. Not our will, but your will be done. We thank you for it now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, DJ. We're in our second part here tonight. And so we're going to be coming from 1 Timothy chapter 3. And, um, and so if you there, please stand with me as we read from 1 Timothy chapter 3. And then we're going to go to um, Acts chapter 6. And then we're going to jump right on into it. Word of God. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, 
holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons, acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Acts chapter 6. It says that in those days, as the disciples were increasing in number, what's happening here, there arose a complaint by the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews that the widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution. The 12, the apostles, summoned the whole company of the disciples and said, it would not be right for us to give up the preaching the word of God to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven good men of reputation, full of the Holy Ghost, Baptist way of saying it, and wisdom, whom we can appoint this duty. But we will devote ourselves, the weeds, the apostles, the elders, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Proctorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch, and they had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The grass withers and the flower fades. You may have your seats. Last week, I talked about the church, God's visible household here on earth. And I talked about how the church is eternal. And everything that we see in this world, as John, 1 John 2, 15, 17 says, it is passing away. John says, the lust of the flesh all that pleasure of the flesh that you see people enjoying, all of that is passing away. The lust of the eyes, new styles, new music, John says, is passing away. And the pride in one's possessions, doesn't matter how much you have, how much you have in the bank, John says, there's coming a day where all the 401ks and all the money you have and I have 
whatever it is, all the Jordans. You got Jordans stored up. Some of y'all, I know you got Jordans stored up and stored up in your house somewhere. All different colors. One day there will be no more Jordans. Some of y'all are like, oh, no, Jesus, let me keep my Jordans. No, nah, he's going to give you Pumas. <laughs> Teach you a lesson. Take the Jordan, give you a Puma up in heaven. Anyway, they're all passing away. And so Paul tell us that the church, this is my first slide, showed it last week, but I'm going to show it again from 1 Timothy. Here we go, Carl. The mystery of godliness. Paul says, I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves. That's what we're doing. We're conducting ourselves in God's household. Which is the church. The Greek word there, church, is ekklesia, the called out ones. We've been called out of Darkness, God, by his grace, through the gospel message that we heard somewhere, whether at college, whether in Sunday school, whether on highways and the byways, somebody was preaching or whether in a Bible study or whether at church, somewhere you heard the gospel and you believe and you've been called out of Egypt. That's what we call the world. And there's Pharaoh, Satan, the dark Lord who desires to keep you in Egypt, to keep you in the world keep you chasing and pursuing the things of the world. But God calls us, the church, the ecclesia, out of the world and to go on a sojourning pilgrimage with him to the promised land where we live our lives to the glory of Christ, to the glory of God. We're passing through. This is not our home. Though we get married, we settle down, we have children. Tell your children that we are passing through. Big mom, grandma, granddad, all of them have gone ahead of you. Praise the Lord, living God, that they've been Christians as well. We shall see them again. They stand at the banks at heaven and looking over and saying, keep running. Don't give in. Don't stop. Don't look back and turn to salt. Keep looking ahead. That's what Big Ma's saying. If she was a Christian, she in heaven, she said, keep running, Carl. Don't stop. Don't give up. And so we're called to go on this journey with Jesus in this world. And so Paul says the church of the living God, the ecclesia, the assembly, the congregation, those who have been spiritually saved and united to the Father by the atoning work of Jesus Christ, called out of darkness, called out of Egypt. The church is the theater of God before the world. One of the reasons why I was feeling so heavy this week, because just on the surface, the church, you know, people use the Christianity, but it's, a, it's the devil. The devil is always trying to mock God's people, God's church. But the church is the theater of God before the world. And many of you know my life verse, which comes from Ephesians 3.10, which calls the church, the theater, where the manifold, the many, splendid, variegated grace of God, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. It's through the church. It's through God's people. We're passing through. We're the light of the world. We're the city on the hill. 
We're not like the world. We've been called out of the world. We've been called out of Egypt. We're not acting like the Egyptians no more. God has come by the power of his hand, his powerful right hand. I believe God's right hand. When he shakes your hand, you know your hand has been shook. <laughs> I don't think God shakes your hand. His hand is, you know, I'm not being funny, but it's not broken. He's powerful right hand of God. The mightiness of God to deliver us from the bondage of Egypt, from the power of Satan's domain. And he calls us in the church where there's manifold. The wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavens. God does this in the church. This means that people who have been Transform this manifold by the grace of God. There are new people in Christ. Old things have passed away. They now love their enemies at one time where they hated their enemies. They now love their enemies. That's what the gospel does. That's the manifold wisdom of God. People who at one time were enemies with each other and with God. But now they're friends. They're reconciled, walking in reconciliation with their brothers and sisters. Why? Because of Jesus and his atoning work and the work of the cross. That's why. That's why we can have this here tonight, here in Fairfield at 6 o'clock. People call from all over the city, joined together under the banner of Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the manifold. That's the wisdom of God. That God is making known the theater of God before the world and before all heaven and earth. But before I get into the qualifications of deacons from 1 Timothy 3, I first want us to understand that elders and deacons are not born that way. You're not born an elder or a deacon. But that elders and deacons were at one time, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, they were dead in their trespasses, dead as a doorknob in Egypt. They were so dead that Pharaoh couldn't see them no more. Dead as a doorknob in their trespasses and sins. They walked according to the ways of this world. According to the ruler of the power of the air, Satan. When born a deacon or an elder, they were born dead in their trespasses and their transgressions, as one translation says, in their sins. And they too at one time walked previously according to the prince of the power of the air. Some of y'all are going, I'm 54, so I've been around half a century. Some of the young fellows, I keep saying, man, I don't have that much time left. But, you know, I'm speaking just, you know, 54. You know, I ain't, first of all, I didn't think I was going to get to 54, but I'm here. And so praise be the Lord. You know, he knows the number of my days. But I didn't think I was going to make it this far. But here I am, so I'm not going to cry about it. I thank God for it. And I want to run my race. But um, other than that, run my race, I'm out. Don't be crying for me. Don't do no long eulogy for me. Say, P.A. up in heaven, he partying with the angels. And some of y'all know I got a, a joking spirit about me. I'm going to be joking with the angels and everything else. I'm still going to be PA, cracking jokes on the angels in a holy way, though. 
I don't know if you can crack a joke in a holy way, but I'll be trying if God will let me get away with it. But I wasn't born an elder. I wasn't born wanting to serve God. And deacons are not born that way. We get into the qualifications. We all at one time were dead in our sins. Paul describes our lives, the people of the world, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, as being lover of themselves. You know when the people who are lover of themselves, they just look in the mirror and say, man, I just look good. And now you got all of that IG filter, you can make yourself look really, really good. And then when you take the filter off, like, help me, Jesus. <laughs> but while they got that filter on, they look good to themselves. They can make sin go away without the cross. <laughs> Gotta watch out for IG, man. So they're gonna ban the Christians. Go ahead and ban us, man, because you'll help us out. <laughs> so Paul says they're lovers of themselves. Philippians 2:21 says, Paul says, they all, mean all people, they seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. You know, people like that, all they seek is their own interests. If you ever wanted to describe the contemporary world just for a fun game, you want to have a game at your house, all the couples get together and say, why don't you just describe whoever wins this game gets $100. Describe the contemporary world that we now live in and the Bible world as well. What word would, would come to your mind that you would say? I know what I would say. That everyone is self-seeking after their own interests, self-centered, and driven by the love of money. Just look around. Money, money, money. It's just their eyes are never full of greed, just constantly money. I mean, I talk to a lot of people, you know, they make a lot of money. And I was talking to them, man, is it just money? He said, man, it's just passed out. It's worse. You have no idea. The, 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 the greed that um, abides in the hearts of men and women without Christ. Selfish, self-seeking. That's the world. That's what Paul is saying. We're all self-seeking without God. No one seeks after Christ, but after our own interests. Driven by money materialism, and all of the above. But you know what? True Christian discipleship, not Joel Steen discipleship, true Bible, sorry we say the word of God here, true biblical discipleship calls every born again believer to this. Here we go, this slide, second slide. This is true Christianity, true biblical discipleship. Everyone is selfish, self-seeking, but to be a Christian, just the basic discipleship is to do nothing out of selfish ambition. If most married couples just did that, it'll stop half of their fights. 99.9. Say, I'm going to seek to serve you. Woo! Wouldn't have to do any more marriage counseling. Me and brother Chad be like, man, we got, Chad, he's went hunting. Malcolm got his first Bambi, and they still, I may, you know, I saw Malcolm with that Bambi. I said, no, it don't look that bad. I may go shoot me a few Bambies. And, um, but 
We'll have more time to go hunting. Shoot babies. You know, but I don't like deer meat, so I'm going to give it away to somebody in Fairfield. But, but I still just go for the fun of just hanging out with the fellas. But if we could get people just to do that in their marriages, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, pride, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Just, that's just a, for every born again believer. Verse four, and everyone should look not to his own interest but rather to the interests of others. Which now comes to the third slide where Jesus, where Chad read this in our call to confession, our call to repentance, takes us to our third slide here from Mark, where Jesus picks up on this ideal People serving after him. But Carl, can you go back to chapter, um, the, the second slide? I went too fast. I missed this because this is important. Um, the fifth, um, yeah, here we go. This Philippians says, having this interest not after yourselves, but after others. And then verse five, to have this mind. What mind? What mind is Paul's referring to? Have this mind among you, Christians, who have been called out of Egypt. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. What's his mind? Now, Mark chapter 10, here we go. What mind does, does Paul referring to? And so here Jesus tells a story. And Jesus called them over, the disciples who later became apostles. They were fussing among each other. Who's going to be the greatest? It's always that's part of the human um, nature. We're just just fighting who's going to be great and all of that stuff. Who's going to be big and who's going to be small. But Jesus calls them over to himself and he said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, Gentiles referring to pagan people, people who don't know God. They have no relationship with the true God of the Bible. So in other words, they're almost kind of like um ignorant of the true word of God. So Jesus says they call them Gentiles. So they're Gentiles. They, they lord it over each other. They're rulers of the Gentiles and they lord it over them. I mean, they're, they're, they're tyrants, Jesus says. And those in, in high positions, they act as tyrants over them. They're not nice. You don't want to work for them. They let you know that they're your boss. And they let you know that you ain't nothing but a peon. That means they're just tyrants. There's no surgery. There's no looking after your interests. They don't care when you get sick. They don't care if you get the rona. They don't care anything about you. If you don't show up, they're going to fire you. It's Jesus said, they're like the, the Gentiles. They're rulers. They lord it over. There's no, there's no love. There's no gentleness. There's no kindness. They're tyrants, Jesus says. But Jesus said, but it is not so among those who have been called out of Egypt. But it is not so among you, Christians, those who have been born again, born from above. You're a new creature in Christ. But not so among you, Jesus says. But on the contrary, whoever, 
All y'all who wants to be come great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man, our Lord, our King, the one that we were singing to, great are you, Lord. You put breath in our lungs. The Son of Man, he did not come to be served, but to serve. Not his own interest, but the interest of his father and the interest of saving the people and to give his life as a ransom for many. Which leads me to this term and this word deacon. The word deacon is the Greek word diakonos, which means servant. The word is used about 30 times in the New Testament. And in most instances, it is used in a generic way to express just being a servant. We see this when Paul calls civic rulers in Romans 13, verse four. He calls them deacons or diakonos is the Greek word for he says, for this is God's servant, diakonos, for your good in the general generic context. But if you do wrong, be afraid because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For it is God's servant, it's a word again, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. So Paul uses the word in the generic sense throughout the New Testament, or should I say the New Testament writers. But here in our text tonight, 1 Timothy 3, verse 11, the word is used in a technical sense, denoting an office in the church. God has set up in the church office. We talked about last week, a man who aspires to be an elder desires a noble task. It's a great honor. For a man, it's not a gift. Deacon is not a gift. It's your desire to serve your Lord. Why is it that some desire to leave the shorelines from comfort and to move into the office of an elder and to the office of a deacon? It's all about your love for your Lord. It is not a gift. Just being a Christian. Some people stay home and watch football. Some come to church and maintain faithful fidelity and church attendance. Well, others, it's not so. Why? What makes the difference? It's all a matter of the heart. And every man or woman and all of us in the room, one day we're all going to stand before the Holy One and we're all going to give an account for our lives. And he will be able to read what, why you did what you did. And the truth of the matter is, when he, when he pulls back, he's going to see, you know what? You were seeking for money a lot of times. And that's how it always comes down to. But this is where we're going to get into deacons and why the qualifications of deacons. Is, you're going to see it. This thing is really personal. And without this, 
work in the church. God can't have the church what it needs to be. I've been in eight years. We're just now getting to this point where we can install elders and deacons. They don't come off of pine trees. <laughs> you got to work hard. You got to do discipleship. It's been hard work working with Brother Dion. And I love Brother Dion. And Dion got a long way to go, but it ain't just come one day. Some of y'all been around, you can see the growth. It takes time. I always say, Brother Dion, he loves fantasy football. I say, bro, one day you're going to leave fantasy alone. God is your fantasy. <laughs> I'm messing with Dion. But Paul says, referring to an office in the church, many assume that the seven men appointed in Acts chapter six, which we read, were the first deacons in the church. Called to help and assist the elders in serving the people. And as the elders stay committed to praying and preaching the word of God. And we see that in Acts chapter six. There was some unequal distribution of the, of the food and the goods and the elders and the apostles said, hey, man, we um, we our job is to pray, stay in the word of God. And whether they knew it or not, they were writing the New Testament. So we got to give our time over to this. So we need some men. Carl, put that back up there. We need some men who have heard the gospel, who believe this, who've been brought out of Egypt. They believe that Jesus is the Christ and the son of the living God. And the first thing Paul, they say, we need to find some men not drunk on fantasy football, but drunk on their Holy Ghost. I'm just picking on fantasy football because that's what's in my mind. Not drunk on Alabama and Auburn football, but drunk on their Holy Ghost. Drunk on the word, drunk men that are not drunk on the things of this world that is passing away. Can we find some men who just love God? And all they care about is what they get out of this world. Man, that's hard raising and finding godly men. Men are tough. Man, they're hard as a tornado. My goodness. Man, you know, I went and got a concealed weapon. Sometimes I joke around here. This is, I'm an urban pastor, so don't say this. Use this against me. I'll say every now and then. The guys know I'm just joking. But I said, man, I wouldn't say I'll shoot one of these guys. But I ain't going to shoot nobody. But I'm, you know, but hard-headed. Oh, my goodness. I said, Lord, was I the hard-headed? And I hear him say, yep, you were. <laughs> you were just as hard-headed and still is in some ways. So Paul, they're saying, um, we don't have time, verse 2, to give up preaching of the word and to wait on tables, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, select from among your seven men. Good reputation. Look up the background. See how they're acting out in the church. Are they hitting on all the women? Are they being favored to their one wife? Are they, are they, you know, are they strong? Full of the spirit. See that? Full, not wine spirit. Full of the spirit. See, here's it tells you it's not a gift full of the spirit. How you pray. Do you get up to pray? Do you read the Bible? Do you take God seriously at his word? You're not going to get full of the spirit. I can tell you this. And all you do is play video games. <laughs> you don't get full of something else. You're going to be on the spirit of God. 
full of the spirit and wisdom. Whom can we appoint to this duty? So the apostles are men feeding the people and writing checks for them to help them pay their bills. We can do that, but we need we got to stay in the word and prayer. So can we raise up some some men that can do that? So churches are called to deploy deacons in the more practical areas of ministry throughout the church, like collecting the gifts of the people. That's why we take up offerings. So we give our tithes, 10 percent of your gross income. We know we use that just as a, as a starting line. If you work, God gives you breath in your lungs to go to a job. You come back. You say, God, thank you for giving me life. Thank you for protecting me. Here's 10 percent. We use that money to help pay the bills for the church over there. That building over there, we're raising a lot of money for it, but it's not going to be free. The heat and the air is going to cost us. So as the people who join the church, we give our money and God blesses that. That's what God has been doing for 2000 years. That's what God has been doing throughout the history of the world. So the deacons take up the gifts of the people and then they distribute those gifts among the people to those who are in need. They take care of the property of the church. Right now, a lot of times you guys will see me locking up. But I want to be, we over there, so that's why we put in elders, deacons, you job, you lock up. PA don't got to worry about it no more. PA, you go home and be with your wife. Go meet with someone at the church. Go meet with one of the saints. You know, PA, I have the keys to lock up and go, but I don't need to be trying to lock up, staying around the last guy to lock up. That's what the deacons do. They make sure everyone is safe. They make sure everything is done right. The deacons take care of that. Take care of the property. And I got here in my notes working with Urban Hope Development in our jobs program and our educational programs and galvanizing the saints to do the work of ministry that we see in, in Ephesians chapter four. As we teach and equip you guys that you guys do the work of ministry. This is the most important thing of all of eternity. And in, in Revelation 19, where the word of God says at the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we get the right linen robe, where the saints will recognize the saints for the righteous deeds that we have done. What deeds? What righteous deeds that we do? It's ministry. And so in Acts chapter 6, we see that this is considered this scene is considered to be a helpful prototype for elders and deacons in the church. And so then Apostle Paul, back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, he gives us the qualifications that deacons should possess that we see. First one, you can take it back to 1 um, Timothy chapter 3, Carl. First qualification of a deacon, they must be dignified. Meaning men of worthy of respect. Basically, it's a person who can be dependent on to act with transparency and integrity. Can you can we just give the money to you? I just go home and go to sleep and I just know the money going to get the cadence back. Or do I have to pray all night fasting and praying in the Holy Ghost? Wondering if the money going to make it to the bank in the morning. Second qualification, not double tongued. Someone whose speech does not betray 
conflicting dispositions towards others. In other words, saying one thing to one person, but another to another person. It's a word, you're bond. You just, you say it, you're not double-tongued, not double-talking. What you see is what you get. Word of God says deacons not be double-tongued. So when you think about people as you nominate, you see those not double-tongued. I mean, they, they say they're going to be somewhere. Oh, I'm going to be at your house at 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock in the morning. They actually show up at that time. Not addicted to much wine. I know, man, I was in the carriage, man. I thought drinking wine, especially that cheap, cheap Walmart wine was just a sin. But you can see nothing wrong with drinking wine, whether it be cheap from Walmart or whether it be from top end shelf. But you have to do it in moderation. We see that with the elders as well. Not addicted to much wine. Moderation in drinking. This is key. Not greedy for dishonest gain. Bringing shame to the gospel. Deacons must be men who, who, man, they got, they got, to, they got to work through the Matthew six twenty four along with the elders. Can't be a lover and greedy for money. We know we need money on this side to do what we need to do, but it has to be kept in balance. You have to, you have to be, you have to be men who, who are not greedy. Every time you see the guys, all he's talking about money, 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 money. Floyd Mayweather money. <laughs> Paul says they must hold to the mystery of the Christian faith. They know their Bibles. They read it. Men of conviction. They have a clear conscience about what it is that they believe about the Bible. Number six, the wives must also be dignified, not slanderers, gossipers, just busybody in the church, just talking, sharing information they shouldn't share and causing divisions and all kinds of stuff. The deacons, if they're married, don't have to be married, but if they are, same thing with the elders. We're going to talk about that. Um, I don't think you have to be a married man to be an elder or deacon, but um, we're going to push it here, but you don't have to be. So it says your wives must be dignified. So if you are married, your wives must be dignified, not slanderers, dependable, servant of people. They love people. You can depend upon them. They're not fighting. In other words, they're not fighting the husbands. Think about this. I'm an elder in the church. Imagine if Sandra was totally against everything I'm doing. Wouldn't be no urban hope. She's like, I'm not going to Birmingham. I'm not going to Fairfield. What? Fairfield? As soon as we get off the highway and saw the first blown up house, she's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> We'd have turned back around, <laughs> dumped the U-Haul, and just... And just Hitchhike back up north, 65. But that's not, didn't happen. Which leads me to the seventh point. He says, these deacons, they must manage their children in their own household well. 
It's a man who has a good prayer life. I would say you must have a good prayer life to be able to manage your home well. You're not going to ever manage your home well without a prayer life. Because you're going to need God's help, God's wisdom. When to speak, when not to speak. When to argue, when not to argue. That's the wisdom. A man of respect. Knowing when to have the hard conversations with your children. Hey, uh, we got a curfew here. It's 10 o'clock. Coming to church. We didn't say church started at 1030. Church started at 10 a.m. And so, you know, all of that. It takes wisdom, takes careful tact. So Paul says deacons must manage their whole household well. And I end with this because it's two minutes from 630. Um, I want you to see here in both with elders and the deacons in God's office of the church, how through God's word, that God is constantly reinforcing something. And I want you to think about the modern times that we're in especially with the seven qualifications that we see with both of the elders and with the deacons. Leading their homes well, husbands of one wife. Well, the world's telling us there ain't no gender. <laughs> well, I mean, God, you must be don't know about your own world. <laughs> you see, this is why the word of God is so powerful. Because either we believe God's at his word or we're going to believe the world because the world's telling us well, marriage don't mean anything. We can, we can marry two men. He didn't say, he didn't say a husband of a husband or a wife of a wife. He said a husband of one wife. So the guy can't have a robe and a train of women saying, Pastor, I'm marrying all of them. I had one guy in the hood, man. He was, you know, I ain't gonna mention his name, but, you know, I'm working with these guys in the hood. I'm trying to, you know, I'm always pushing them towards marriage. Let's get married, you know. I know you've been out there like, You've been a gigolo, but let's get down to the jig. <laughs> no, I try to break the words down. Let's gigolo, jig, you know. <laughs> and then we just get down to the G, golly, you know, whatever. So he calls me up one day. He, he going through. And he said, Pastor, I had an idea. I said, yeah, what's the idea? Can I marry them all? <laughs> I said, well, you think I am Bishop Muhammad Mubuhu or something? <laughs> what do you think this is? <laughs> no, you can't marry them all. He said, man, but I love them all. See, he's still not here tonight, so (laughs) he's still in Egypt. (laughs) But I want you to see how God is reinforcing the importance of marital fidelity and a strong family, which is one of the core values of urban hope. We know where it is that God has sent us. We know the family structure has been broken down. And we know it's part of the problems that we see in this community. So we're trying to build the community up on the blueprint of God's word with strong marriages and with strong families. And that starts with a strong man who knows his word. And so leadership in the church are to be led out by having men being faithful to their wives. And then, therefore, building strong families according to the word of God. Brothers and sisters, that is a task. I didn't understand this for a while. I was at a church and I'm in here. I was at another PCA church and I was preaching to their men. And I was talking about, you know, people say, well, Pastor Harry, you're out in the hood and you're raising up. a, You know, you got to get elders and deacons and we're going through a particularization. I talked about that last week. But people assume that 
these kind of men, as you go into a community, they're just waiting on you. They just say, I'm ready. I'm ready to be an elder. I'm just ready to be a deacon. I'm just ready to be faithful, not greedy for money. Huh? Have you looked around? That's work. It's called discipleship. It's called getting up early, spending time on your knees in prayer. And so I told the churches where I go and visit, I said, man, these men are not just falling of apple trees. First of all, they got to come to know Jesus. That takes time. You can't just put them up right away because it's told us in the word they can't be what? Newcomers. So then they become susceptible like the devil and fall because of pride. So God sent us in Fairfield. And what's the missing ingredient in Fairfield if those of us who have been down here for a while? Dion, what's the missing ingredient in Fairfield? What are we missing? <laughs> well, Pastor Hardy, how come you're not particularized? <laughs> See, that's where you got to have the Holy Ghost, not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm trying. But it's not like I can just, whoa. I can't do that. Ooh, wow. And just make a strong guy. He likes money. I'm trying to get him just to be at church on time. <laughs> but you've heard the qualifications. Both elders and deacons. So as Mike gives you guys, you nominate, I think, for next week. And like we said before, we're not talking about perfection. And I fall and falter with some of these things all the time. Talking about a consistency. What do you see? What do you see with your eyes? And so next week, I'm going to talk about some of you. like, well, Pastor Hardy, I don't even want to mention this, but I have to. Say, well, I see men leading men. And some of you might be asking, what about the women? I'm going to address that next week. And so... I knew that was going to take all of 55 and 85 minutes, so I didn't want to get into it tonight. So I just threw it at the end. So with that being said, let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you tonight for your word that doesn't return void, but goes out and accomplishes all that it has been sent to do. We thank you, Father, that your word is going forth here in Fairfield and that you are accomplishing the good work that you have begun, that you will bring to a completion until the day of the Lord returns. We pray, Father, that you would help us to discern those men that you are raising up for such a time as this in this hour, men of good reputation, men who are full of the Holy Ghost, not drunk on wine of the world, but drunk on the wine of the Spirit. Men that of, of integrity, trust, not double tongue. And so, Lord, we pray that as you building this church here in Fairfield, a church where the manifold wisdom of God is being made known in a world of division and separation, but you are still getting the last laugh because your glory is being revealed. Father, we pray that you would keep us, watch over us, keep us humble so that we don't fall prey to the devil's tax his schemes, his agendas, that we will constantly keep our eyes on you, that we'll set our attention and our affections on things which are above, where you sit to the right hand of the Father.
We thank you for this now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and be dismissed and receive the benediction. Coming from Ephesians 3. I'm going to read verse 19. Well, I'm going to read start verse 20. Here we go. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. God bless you.